The Today's Homeowner Radio Podcast is brought to you by The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Welcome to Today's Homeowner with Danny Lipford, your partner in home improvement. Everyone has questions about their home. We've got the answers, and we have a few laughs along the way. Informative, entertaining, and sometimes off the wall. Home improvement has never been this much fun. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this hour of today's Homeowner Radio. And yes, it is going to be a busy hour. We've got a lot of information to share with you. We're going to talk about some um, stains on concrete, what you can do there, uh, more ideas on pool noodles. You, you never get tired of hearing these little things that you can do with pool noodles. Also, um, how to revitalize an old cast iron sink. Got a lot of emails we're going to be sharing with you and answer as many of them as we possibly can. Joe, what about a simple solution a little bit later? Just give us a little hint on that one. I've got eight quick tips on how to properly install cement backer board before your next tiling job. Boy, more and more homeowners are taking on projects like that and yep. are uh, more, um, you know, homeowners are familiar with, you know, cement backer board than they've ever been before. So look forward to that great tip. Well, we want to hear from you, you know, anything that you have on your mind, instead of just spending hours getting a lot of conflicting opinions online, go ahead and connect with us. You can do so by going to the today's homeowner.com slash ask page, ask us any question that you might have, or you can just simply pick up the phone 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We call it the today's homeowner hotline. 800-946-4420. Also, love to remind you about, you know, our Facebook page, the Today's Homeowner Facebook page. We'd love for you to join us on there. A lot of additional information going out a couple, two or three times a day, as well as Pinterest and Instagram. We've got a lot of response from, from Pinterest over the years. So we, you can send us messages through any of those platforms, and we'll do our best to answer them. Right now, we're going to go to the Today's Homeowner Hotline and answer a few calls that came in this week. I have some carpet removed and it had black spots in the floor and i'm wondering what i could do to get those black spots out of the floor all right so i'm sure that's a hardwood floor i've seen that right, quite a yeah. bit not really sure what causes that i always think of it as being you know possibly a a, a spill because you know if you spill something on carpet uh, a lot of times it'll go through the carpet through the pad uh, especially older pad and then it can sit there and cause a problem on the floor um, but the problem with that, Joe, um, a lot of times that um, it's pretty deep um, that right, actually, yeah. well, you know, you might be able to clean it. You might be able to get a little bit of it out. But a lot of times that's going to require um, re-sanding the, the whole floor in order to make it go away. Any other thoughts on that? Yeah, ordinarily when you take up carpeting, you re-sand the whole floor anyway because there was probably an issue with the floor, which is why they put carpet down in the first place. But, but yeah, the first thing I would suggest is um, just take a white cloth soak it in hydrogen peroxide and set it over the black spots, over these stains, and let it sit there for, you know, several hours, maybe even overnight. Make sure it stays wet. You know, you can cover it with a piece of plastic wrap or something like that so it doesn't evaporate so quickly. Uh, that usually will take it out. I mean, you could, this is better than going straight to a bleach solution, which may or may not work anyway, but typically a hydrogen peroxide will at least lighten these stains. And if it does, then you, you know, redo it and then do it again and see if you can get it to disappear entirely. There you go. Certainly you should give that a try. Let's grab another call from the hotline. Yes, Danny. And I have a challenge in an upstairs bathroom. It, it, the humidity builds up to the point where the hinges on the door 
have rusted, and I need to replace those hinges. Will stainless steel hinges suffice, or should I be searching for something else than stainless steel hinges to prevent this rust from occurring in the future? All right. Well, oh, that's, talk about excessive moisture. That's a lot of I've moisture. Never heard of there. that before. Somebody's taken some long hot showers <laughs> without, without the proper ventilation. Yeah. Um, well, to answer your question, certainly um, stainless steel hinges—they they won't rust. They will hold up very well. But um, I, I would certainly think we need to look at this because that's not the only thing that's suffering by having that high of a moisture content that's in that right, room. Yeah. Uh, it's going to deteriorate everything around there. you got mold and mildew that can grow. Sometimes, unfortunately, it can grow in areas that you can't even see, you know, inside the wall and such. So what you need is proper ventilation. I mean, um, of course, she didn't mention whether she had a vent fan in there, but obviously if she does, it's not working properly because you really, I mean, uh, people um, have no idea how critical it is to have proper ventilation in your home. And in this particular case, I would suggest installing a really good, quiet exhaust fan in in the bathroom. They have calculators online um, at brone.com as well as today's homeowner.com to calculate exactly what size you need for the room you have. It's a very simple little process of figuring that out. But the key thing is you want to make sure it vents all the way to the outside, not just in the attic that can just move the problem from one place to the next. So you want to make sure that you um, are able to um, get that fan in there. And if it's a second story, that's probably good because you probably have an attic right above that'll give you the space to work in. And again, get that moisture straight to the outside and use the fan and leave it on for about 10 minutes after you finish your shower in order to get rid of all of that moisture. Let's go ahead and grab one more call from the Today's Homeowner Hotline. Yeah, I have an old sink. It's a cast iron sink with a white coating on it. And I would, I like the style of the sink. I'd like to keep it. And I was wondering, can I recoat that white coating onto that sink to make that sink, refresh that sink and make it look more like new? Well, you can. Yes, they, uh, without a doubt you can. And there are do-it-yourself kits out there. Really big mixed reviews on it. Um, people that I know that are pretty savvy in the DIY space that have tried it said, man, that was next time I'm buying a new one, you know, and <laughs> yeah. and that's that's the thing because it's a, especially we hear that about tubs quite a bit because the prep that you have to go through in order to before you put the coating on is unbelievable. I mean, and yes, you can use some mechanical sanders and things to do it, but there's still a lot of surface on 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 those that surprises people how long it actually takes. There are professional services that do it, but by the time you get a sink refinished, it's probably pretty close to being the same to re- replace it. But Joe, I really, I really wonder if there's any do-it-yourself kit out there that really performs better than the ones that have been on the market for the last few years. Yeah, there are the refinishing kits. Then there's tub and tile epoxy paint, which I guess you could try. Um, this sounds like it's probably an old uh, console sink, right? not, a, not a pedestal sink. It looks like a pedestal sink, but it's bigger. So it has like more room around the sink bowl. So it's probably, you know, probably a really nice antique console sink. Now, you know, the reason to send send it out, have it taken out to a professional is if you love this sink and you can't get another one like it because they don't make them anymore. Um, but you're right. The cost of that would be higher than just buying a new sink. Um, but if you're in love with this particular sink and it's an antique sink that matches the age of the house and you want to keep it, I certainly understand that. So you're going to have to send it out and get it professionally finished. You can certainly try one of these products yourself or a finishing kit or the tub and tile epoxy paint. And if it works, great. If it doesn't, then you send it out.
Awesome. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's a good idea. It. And and also, you know, surprises a lot of people. Yes, they still make some um, cast iron sinks, and they might yeah. make one exactly yeah. like you have, and it may not be as expensive as you think. And if your faucet's in good shape, you can continue using the faucet. So there's a number of different ways that you can go with that without spending a ton of money. But there's a there's some good there's some good ones out there. We just installed a stainless steel. I mean, a um, cast iron sink recently, and yeah. you know, Joe, they don't make them any lighter. Uh, they're just as heavy as <laughs> they've right. always been. What did you put in your house with your, with your lav sinks and the tubs? At, Are they um, all well, my, my, uh, The one in the um, the kitchen is a cast iron. Right, and, yeah. um, enamel and then, cast iron. Uh, but, yeah. the, but the other ones are um, just t- traditional porcelain type um, yeah. under yeah. under counter-mounted bowls. Right, good, yeah. But um, but you know this uh, the, the, you know k- kitchen sink and bathroom sink they, they 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 take a lot of abuse and they have all kinds of things from you know hairspray to you know dishwashing liquid all kinds of yeah, things yeah. that can accumulate kind of that that um you know scum soap scum yeah. and that kind of thing that can really make it so sometimes just a, a real aggressive cleaning will surprise you how good the tub or how good that works and also it seems like there's it's almost a porous nature to them after a while maybe the yes coating, get pitted yeah. yeah the coating gets a little worn out and you and you start seeing that but um it is nice to have a good solid sink like that i mean i i've seen some of the stainless steel sinks when they first came out were mm-hmm. paper yeah. thin i'm telling you you right you you you, you drop a, a fork or a knife in there the wrong way and it'll stick right on through through the garbage disposal so, yeah that's know. a bad thing but it does sound like a steel drum it makes you sound like you're in jamaica it makes it uh, feel true. like yeah you, you know every time you drop something right yeah Steel yeah, they've come music. a long way. Those stainless, yes, <laughs> those stainless yes, steel sinks have come a long way. <laughs> hey, you're listening to today's Homeowner Radio. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk about concrete porch and how you can maybe make your porch look a little bit better. All of that and a lot more right here on today's Homeowner Radio. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Today's Homeowner is brought to you by Pavestone, creating beautiful landscapes. Hey, we're so glad to be able to announce a brand new radio station that joined the Today's Homeowner Network. This one's in Hereford, Texas, and it is KPANAM 860. A special hello and welcome to everybody listening there in Hereford. We appreciate it, and we want to help you with any kind of problem you may be having All you have to do is pick up the phone anytime, 24 hours a day, 800-946-4420. You can send us an email as well by going to todayshomeowner.com slash ask. All right, right now we're going to go straight back to the phones and uh, uh, see if we can help Jolene with a question she has. I have a concrete porch. The person prior to me had a flower out there, fertilized it. Water came over and changed the color of the concrete. I just wonder if there's something I can do for that. Oh, boy. I, you know, I see that all the time, yeah. especially, you know, front porches right by the door where you have a plant. And I guess it's not a big deal if you're always going to have a plant there. But, <laughs> yeah, right. you know, if you don't, um, then it is a very tough one. I, I, I would say it's almost impossible to get that type of 
um, stain off of concrete because it has soaked down in there over and over and over. Um, you don't have yep. an opportunity for it to evaporate or the sun to affect it because it's underneath the plant. Um, so I don't think you're going to be able to do anything. I guess, uh, Joe, maybe they can improve it slightly, but I think having a plant there is the best way to um, to deal with it. Yeah, unfortunately, it's not like there's a spill and you, you know, scrub it off somehow. Here, you know, it, it keeps getting exposed to the fertilizer and the dirt and the water for months, maybe years. Then you move it and it's like, oh, now what? First thing I would try, Danny, is scrubbing it with TSP. We often recommend tri-sodium phosphate. Just dilute it in some water and scrub it. You'll certainly get it a lot cleaner than it is now. Will you get it removed entirely? Is might be more difficult, as Danny said, concrete being very porous, it probably soaked in, the stain soaked in. Um, so I try to TSP, if that doesn't work or work well enough, then scrub it clean with some water, just regular plain water, and then take some oxygen bleach, dilute it in hot water, and scrub that and see if that works. Um, now, when you get that area really clean, though, of course, Danny, what's, what's going to happen? You have one clean spot, and, you know, that might be almost as obvious as the stain because the rest of the patio um, or concrete porch, as Jolene called it, um, will look still look aged. So then you may have to scrub the whole porch. So, mm-hmm. you know, take that in consideration as well. I think the best thing to do is scrub it as, get it as clean as you can and then put another pot there, but use the proper tray or saucer under it to prevent this from happening. And when it, once it is all clean, you do have some other options there. And, um, oh, yeah. You know, you can use uh, some of the Deitch coatings to put a coating over the entire thing. That'll hide that stain. You can also use a concrete stain uh, that um, will soak into the pores of the wood. And not saying that'll cover it all up, but it'll certainly make it look a lot more consistent. Um, and clear masonry sealer will help um, you to keep it a lot cleaner than than it probably is now. Yeah. So that's I'm, a tough one when you get yeah. that moisture down in there. It is. I'm just proud of Danny not bursting at the song when we got a call from a woman named Jolene. That's typically, <laughs> that's typically what happens during the commercial breaks. That does that does happen a good bit, and it uh, sounds pretty bad. That's why it's on commercial break. Instead <laughs> <laughs> of otherwise. <laughs> hey, uh, let's get right to some emails here. I, I like this email. Listen to this. Um, Anne in Kansas is right. stepping up to the plate here. She says, I'm looking into buying a power miter saw. I want one to help me with different DIY pro- projects, both big and small. What would you suggest, and exactly what should I look for? That's pretty. That's pretty cool. Well, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll give you two extremes. One is a very small miter saw that operates on an eighteen volt battery. I know Ryobi has one. Many other companies have one. That's a good way to go. I mean, that's a very simple. But you are limited on the size of material that you're working with. Now, the other extreme is one that we use on the television show quite a bit, which is a sliding miter saw. Now, this is pretty cool because since it slides like that, it can cut um, lumber like 1x6s, 1x8s, 1x12s very accurately because it slides across there. It's um, pretty easy to use. Both of these saws are can be very dangerous, so you want to be yeah. wide awake. You want to make sure you have plenty of uh, light wherever you're working with it on and keep those fingers away from the blade. They can be very aggressive and the wood can kick out on you. So you really need to make sure that you uh, have someone show you all of the nuances on the saw or, you know, look at some things online to keep it nice and safe, but pretty admirable. Someone's ready to step out and get a motorized pot, a miter saw. Yeah. I mean, it actually is a relatively safe tool because you have to hold the board with one hand and you have the other hand to operate the saw. So, you know, as long as your hand is not anywhere near that cut zone, which is 
typically typically very clearly marked on the saw itself. Um, you know, it's a pretty safe tool to use. Um, yeah, th I mean, the, the the two basic options are uh, what I would recommend is a what's called a dual bevel, meaning the saw tilts left and right. Um, it, it rotates right and left for miter cuts, but it tilts left and right, not just in one direction for cutting bevels. And then they have the sliding compound miter saw, which also can tilt and rotate. And the main difference is with a sliding saw, you have much greater cross-cut capacity. And I would recommend at least a 10-inch saw, or if you want to move up to a 12-inch saw, um, you, know, you could do that as well. But as your first miter saw, I think a good 10-inch saw, dual bevel will probably be more than enough for, for Ann. You know, and they're easy to set up, and um, you know, yeah. What, what yep. of course, we have one with the collapsible stand underneath it. Yeah, and, me too. Yeah, and you know, it, you can just wheel it out there, and you're ready. But every single time, even though we use it fairly regularly, we're still out there scratching our head, going, "How do you get this thing to expand? Because <laughs> it collapse mean, or expand? It just yes. is not intuitive. It's just weird how it collapses like it does. I mean, you know, pretty." cool piece of engineering there but yeah you know if, of course if you used it every day then it then it comes and also it might be a good idea to put a little oil on it from time to sure, time there sure, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That, yeah. yeah i don't even back. collapse mine anymore i just have it in the shop and just wheel, just that's a good wheel it good around yeah <laughs> here's another email um from judy uh, judy asked my kitchen countertop is worn and i'd really like to replace it however the wood trim along the edge of the counter is in very good condition and I do kind of like that. Is there any way to replace the countertops but keep the trim? Sounds you know, like a I'll laminate bet, countertop, I guess. I, I bet what they're talking yeah. about is, um, you know, how they have, um, well, they have it in, um, you, you know, reg regular sections of counter that have the edging already attached to it. So like the right. post-form countertop that you're ready to go and you cut it and put it in place. I don't think, um, I guess you could put laminate on top of it. I'm just not sure that would be a good idea because yeah. um, the edge, you know, that the way it is now, the outer edge is covered by the wood trim. You put another right. piece of laminate on top of it because you're definitely not going to get that piece of laminate off of there, right. you know, um, without just destroying the countertop's integrity. So uh, I think it would be pretty tricky to do that and to be able to trim it out. And laminate's fa fairly reasonable, so I think it would be better just to replace it and put in exactly what they want at that time instead of trying to laminate over that uh, trim. Now, I have eliminated that trim before yep. and and then covered over the whole thing, but she said she likes the trim, so that's the only thing I would know is to replace the countertop. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if she wanted to laminate, put new laminate over the old laminate, she would have to remove that trim, and she could probably replace it, you know, put it back on, um, and then she would have a new countertop and the old trim. I'm not sure why you'd want to do that, but you could. And plus getting that off, I don't know if you can get it off without splitting it and breaking it anyway. So but, it might be time to upgrade anyway. But but you know what, Joe, um putting a coating on the on that, you know, the right. um like like we've done many times on the show with the Deitch coatings, um, boy, I'll tell you that's some amazing stuff. It's a easy oh, yeah, week, right over the old laminate, weekend right. thing, yeah. a whole kitchen only gonna cost about a hundred bucks and that way you basically just tape off that trim on the front with some painter's tape yeah. and then 
go through the process, which is fairly simple to put. And then that way you can have a stone look to the countertop. Yeah. You can have a marble look to the countertop. There's a lot of different ways to go there. If you're thinking of doing that, you, you should drop by um, DeichCoatings.com. That's D-A-I-C-H Coatings.com. We talk about them a lot here on the show. We also use them a lot um, on our television show, so you can check it out at our site as well at Today's Homeowner. Com. Hey, coming up, we're going to be talking pool noodles as well as a lot more information that you'll be able to use around your house. I'm Danny Lifford along with my buddy Joe Truini, and you're listening to Today's Homeowner Radio. We'll be right back. Today's homeowner is brought to you by Fluidmaster. Find out more at shop.fluidmaster.com. And welcome back to the Today's Homeowner Radio Show. Danny Lipford here along with my co-host, Joe Truini. And, you know, um, we always give you our way that you can contact us through um, our phone number as well as our website. And we do encourage you to do that because, you know, you might have something on your mind that's bugging you and you want to try to figure it out. We want to help you with that. You might have an idea like Tom did here to give us a little tip of something um, that we've talked about because we talk a lot about pool noodles and I'm, t- I'm convinced there is no end to the different things that you can use pool noodles on. And matter of fact, if you go by uh, todayshomeowner.com and just Google pool noodles. You'll see uh, many, many simple solutions that Joe Trevini has shared with us over the years using these inexpensive things for a lot of a variety of reasons around the house. Well, here's what Tom suggests. RVs typically have a microwave with a glass plate on a turntable. Well, if you cut a piece of a pool noodle slightly taller than the inside of the microwave, then place the pool noodle standing up and down on the glass plate, this will prevent the plate from bouncing when driving down the road. Now, this can be done to hold down any item on any shelf in an RV. I'm using that because, you know, I've yeah, got the new... you've got the RV, right? got the new um, motorhome, and I actually have... Uh, because, you know, you got a lot going on in a little... This this RV I have is only about 24, 25 feet long, and, but right. when you're going down the road, you know, you got a lot of things that are jangling and shaking and, and that kind of thing. Especially so, when Danny's driving. Yeah, yeah, especially, yeah, when I keep running off the road while I'm texting. <laughs> when he goes and, up on two wheels, things <laughs> tend to slide. Yeah. So, so I took a pool noodle, and I have a fold-down table, a little fold, a little small little table next to the sink right. and it just kind of shakes and rattles and everything. So I cut a, a, a pool noodle, much like Tom's recommending here, and I slipped it under it to where it keeps it, you know, so it'll still move, but you're right. not hearing anything. Oh, and, uh, and, and, and so, you know, we haven't had it very long and we're trying to chase down all of the noise. And yeah. I never even thought about the microwave in there. Um, I, I was going down the road the other day and I heard, I, I heard two things uh, something hit the floor. And I right. said, well, what, what is that? And I look around, I look around, and I see two screws on the floor. I said, well, where did these things come from? I look up, the, the microwave's hanging, kind of hanging. <laughs> you know, oh, it was, wow. The, the top two screws were still in because, you know, yeah. it's a flush mount. The bottom yeah. two screws had popped right out of there. They so, rattled out. Yeah. Yeah. So wow. um, so anyway, but but I, I, I'll bet some of the noise I haven't been able to find is exactly what he mentions here. So I'll yeah. be carefully um, cutting a pool noodle because we got pool noodles everywhere around here. Well, if you're going to buy pool noodles, now's the time of the year. I just went to the dollar store and got them for literally a dollar. How about that? Cost wow. two sixty six with tax to get two pool noodles. 
So, well, I, yeah. I need to get one to put on the wall of the garage on mm-hmm. Sharon's side because she Uh-oh. swings that door open. <laughs> Wham! I thought you said this was impact-resistant drywall. Well, honey, I mean, a door, uh, slamming a, do- a door against a, a drywall. No, it's not that impact-resistant. So yeah, yeah. I'll, I think I'll try that. Hey, here's another uh, one yeah. that I that I kind of like. Helen wrote in and said, I'm so thankful for your information that you both give. I love the show. I do have someone that helps me with some of the things around the house. I'm still working, so I don't have a lot of time, but God willing, I will retire this summer. My husband is a 100% disabled Vietnam veteran. He can't do a whole lot like he used to. And this is just a thank you for all the things you do. God's richest, richest blessings to you. Helen. Helen, thanks so much for Thank you, taking Helen. the time to write us a little note like that. And that's why we encourage you. If you have something on your mind, certainly uh, this is a, a wonderful thing to 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 read. We appreciate that. And, and that's what we want to do. We want to help you. We want to be the source that you can rely on, whether it's through our television show, our radio show, our website, checking in with Chelsea, all the different social media that we have. All of this is an effort to provide you the latest, most current home improvement information you're going to find anywhere. So we try to do our best on that. Let me grab another email here. This one is Glenn in Kentucky. Hi, Danny. I have a quick question about our electrical service. Must the electrical connection from the pole to the house have a weather head? When it rains very hard, water comes out of the meter box? What? Oh, I'm afraid this is a fire hazard. Well, Glenn, you are are really accurate. That is extremely dangerous, and I would strongly recommend you get that taken care of immediately. Now, it might not need in, you know, depending on your codes in your area, you may not have to have a weather head per se, but something's happening on the surface mount box or whatever. Get an electrician out there as soon as possible. Water and electrical panels like that never should meet. And something's happening to allow that water to channel in there. Electrician has seen it. Get somebody that does residential electrical work and get them out there as fast as possible. Man, that's that kind of made me shiver yeah, a little I know, bit there I know. thinking about that. I mean, you know, you, you think about a rainstorm and, you know, right after the rain and you don't realize it's in there and you grab that box and open it up and you light up like a Christmas tree. Yeah, yeah, that's, not, <laughs> yeah. That's, that's not what you want right there. Yeah. That's, that's, that's kind of scary. It, that's very scary. Yeah. I mean, electricity and water do not mix. And the weatherhead, if you're not familiar, is just if you look at the outside of your house, if you have the house, if you have the wires coming in connected to your house, the outside of your house, most people do. We happen to have it buried underground. But where it meets the house is usually the weather head is kind of like a hood, usually made out of plastic, used to be metal, now it's plastic. But it does exactly that. It protects that connection where the wires are coming from the pole into your house and then into your house. So obviously there's a breach there where water is somehow getting in there. And of course, it's following the conduit or whatever it is down and then coming out of that uh, meter head, the meter box. So yeah, he definitely has to get an electrician, check that out. And I'm surprised that even passed an inspector. I don't know how somebody missed that. Yeah, I know it. Or, or, you know, um, the guys reading the meters, a lot of times they will alert if it's a dangerous condition, but now so many of the meters are being read remotely Yep. that, that the old guy walking around, which I always wondered about that guy that walks around reading meters, water meters, power meters, you know, first of all, they all look pretty fit. Because they're walking, <laughs> walking miles and miles yeah. every day. Yeah. But but how do you walk it, you know, to the side of someone? Most of the time it's on the side of the house. You walk yeah. up to the side of a house. You know, a lot of times those things will be fenced. A lot of yeah. times there will be dogs roaming around, you know, that you can get yeah. bitten. Um, and, of course, I'm sure they've had their share of wasp 
bites oh, yeah. um, go, going up, you know, into the areas. And and then you have, um, you know, um, trees and and brush it, you know, in different shrubbery that completely covers it up, you know. And uh, so, I mean, that's that's not a real glamorous job. And it's also, you know, very labor intensive. So I think that's why they're putting so many of the remote um, devices in so they can just sit there and automatically yep. um, read it out. It does make a lot of sense on that. Yeah, it reduces the workforce considerably, of course. But yeah, I mean, doing it remotely makes so much sense. And actually, that could all be done through a computer where you might need one or two people, uh-huh. you know, just monitoring the information. But, you know, it, it, you don't need a lot of people to monitor it when it's being done remotely. Hey, coming up, if you send us an email, we we're probably going to get to it. We're going to get to a lot of emails in the next section of today's homeowner radio show don't go anywhere we'll be right back today's homeowner is brought to you by deitch coatings easily roll on your new stone countertop garage floor and more in just a weekend with deitch and welcome back to the today's homeowner radio show i'm danny lipford along with my buddy joe truini and we certainly got some great emails this week. We appreciate that. If you'd like to send us one anytime, all you have to do is go to todayshomeowner.com slash ask. This one came in from Sarah that asked about some stenciling. said, I saw a, one of your television shows recently where Chelsea and a homeowner was using some type of stencil to create a pattern on the concrete. It looked fantastic. Can this work on a wall? First of all, I would say yes, but it's a little trickier because uh, you don't have gravity working with you. You have gravity working against you. So that would be a little, you know, because when you lay it right down on concrete, you you don't really have to do anything but hold it. But if you're putting it on the wall, I would expect uh, there need to be, you know, maybe some tape or maybe some spray adhesive or something. Yeah, it's funny Sarah should have called about that because I spoke to Chelsea about that not too long ago. And what's the name of the company? Do you guys remember the name of the company? She mentioned it, but I didn't didn't stick with me. Oh, that's right. I think it's called Cutting Edge Stencil. Or stencil yeah, Cutting Edge Stencil. Yeah. Chelsea mentioned to me is that they actually do make, but it's a separate product. They do make a stencil for walls. And I went online to check it out, and they're amazing. And some of it almost looks like really super fancy um, is, is wallpaper. Yeah, so Man, I just, um, I, I'm very intrigued by that. I think that could really oh, yeah. catch on when you. I mean, think about using something like that for a border around yep. bedroom, bathroom, or an accent wherever. wall. Yeah, yeah, an accent wall over something a bed like that. or something and, like that. Yeah, and um, it, because it would have more, let's say, an authentic look sure. than say wallpaper. Yeah, that's very intriguing. I wonder yeah. what's the difference between the stencils that go on the floor and the stencils. Yeah, that go I'm on not the sure. Wall. I don't know if it's just the design where maybe they're smaller. I remember there were probably, I probably shouldn't even guess, but I think there were like at least a dozen different wall designs, maybe more. And some of them are pretty intricate, but I suspect any that the process is the same. You put it down, you paint it, and then you move it. It's not like you're stenciling the whole patio or the whole wall, right? It's just a single stencil that you move and must have some way of registering it so that it all lines up. But yeah, so you can do it on all. Go to Go to the website and check that out. There you go. Hey, here's another email from Arnold. He said, in your opinion, what is the best attic ventilation method? Ridge venting up on the very top of the peak, or should I put in a power exhaust fan um, that's thermostatically controlled? Well, you know, anytime that you can ventilate an attic without spending money on electricity is a good thing. 
you know, several exactly. options yep. there. Now, the ridge venting, and if just to make sure everybody understands what that is, on the very top peak of a roof, they cut the decking back a couple inches on each side of the ridge. Then they put, and there's a variety of different styles of ridge venting that's available. And then you just put that there, and, and basically the air comes in, the eave area, and then just because heat rises, it'll carry that hot, moist air right on out of the attic. However, the key thing there is enough intake, and most right. houses do not have the proper intake to handle ridge venting. And these roofers are putting ridge vents on all all the time without there being proper venting, um, you know, intake in there because that continuous venting usually is what's needed on those overhangs, but you can have other type of vents if you have enough of them. So, um, but I'll tell you something I used on a couple areas of my house here are the solar powered exhaust fans. So um, I always thought it was cool. You're using the sun to cool your right. attic yeah. and they work very good. The prices have come down. They do make one of the strangest noises. It's like oh, it yeah? took me like took what? me a while. I don't know. It's kind of like a maybe a sick squirrel that's in your attic or something. I don't <laughs> well, know. maybe it is a sick squirrel I, in your I attic. Mean, it's, it's, not a, it's not a loud or obnoxious sound, but it's just right. such a such an odd kind of sound. But um, but anyway, um, yeah. I, I, th I think uh, it it will depend on the intake and, and and also on your power roof ventilators. If you don't have enough air intake, then it's going to be pulling air from inside your house. You don't right. want that. Yeah. So that's the key thing is making sure you have that balance. We've got a lot of information online at todayshomeowner.com about attic, proper attic ventilation. Good time to think about that, Joe, with the, with the, the hot weather um, sure. in most of the country right around the corner. Yeah, absolutely. And the reason, there are a lot of reasons why you want your attic cool. And a lot of it is that it, if it gets too hot in there, it's going to bake those roof shingles. And if, especially if they're asphalt roof shingles, it could shorten the life of them. But yeah, you'd never, I, I can't imagine why any house would have ridge venting and not soffit venting because where's the air coming from? It's got, sometimes you can get, get away with gable end vents on each end of the house and then with ridge venting. But the best thing, absolutely, Danny, is to cut in some soffit vents. If you don't have it, it's easy enough to cut in. You can hire a contractor and you do it simply enough. Um, so that, that you absolutely need intake in order for it to exhaust out. And a good professional roofer w would be able to advise you a little bit more on that. Um, if not, you can, you know, get someone, uh, an engineer in your area to give you a little bit of a formula there to work with. But very important and a very timely thing, too, to get that uh, attic um, proper ventilation in the attic as soon as you can. Save you money, make you a lot more comfortable, and all of your shingles and everything else last a lot longer. Hey, when we come back, it's Simple Solution Time, and I'm also going to share with you a very special project that we're about to do on the Today's Homeowner television show. All of that and a lot more coming up here on Today's Homeowner Radio. Today's Homeowner is brought to you by Custom Building Products, the leader in flooring preparation products and tile and stone installation systems. You know, it always amazes me. My buddy Joe Truini can always come up with another simple solution. Joe, what do you have for us this week? All right, Danny, here are eight quick professional tips for installing cement backer board. Whenever you're tiling over plywood, we always recommend putting down a layer of cement backer board because it provides the necessary support for the tile itself. 
Because if the tile's not supported well, you know, you're going to have cracked tiles or busted grout joints. So it's, it's super important. So here are eight quick tips to putting down cement backer board. The very first thing to do is check the plywood subfloor for any movement or sponginess, any squeaks. And you want to go down there with some two-inch drywall screws and fasten down any trouble spots. Be sure to drive those screws into the floor joist below. Not so, And this is your only opportunity to do it. So, you know, now's the time before you start covering it with the backer board. So once a plywood subfloor is screwed down, use a notch trial to spread thinset mortar over the plywood subfloor, then lay the cement backer board into the thinset. That's a, the, one of the most important steps, and a lot of people skip that, but the, the backer board itself has to be set in mortar. So when you set the backer board down, making sure you overlap the seams in the plywood subfloor by at least four inches, that's what they recommend. I usually go six or eight or even more greater because you don't want the plywood seams to line up with the backer board seams because that would create a, a weak spot. You want to fasten down the backer board using an impact driver, a cordless impact driver, and some backer board screws. They actually make screws specifically for this. You want to space the screws four inches apart around the perimeter of the backer board, then about eight inches apart across the center. A lot of the backer boards actually have, they show you where to put in the screws. So do that. Don't shorten out, not shorten up the screw numbers. Put in as many as, as required. And you want to leave an eighth inch gap between the backer board sheets. That's another important thing. When you're putting down the backer board sheets, leave about an eighth inch in between and stagger the sheets so that four corners don't meet at a single intersection. And then you want to cover those seams with adhesive back fiberglass mesh tape, spread thin set, over the tape joints. Once that cures, now you're ready to set tiling. Now that sounds like a lot of work, um, but it actually goes pretty quickly. The sheets are typically, I think, three by five foot, but it's critically important and it's your only opportunity to get that floor right before you start laying the tile. Doesn't matter what kind of tile you're using, whether it's ceramic or porcelain or whatever, right. none of it's going to perform well if that subfloor is not right. And so great tips and great reminders on exactly um, how to do that. Hey, I want to tell you about a special project we have coming up. Now, this will be an episode of our national television show, Today's Homeowner, and it'll be the last episode that we do for our 25th season. And it's a special one. It's actually a large community service project that's located right here where I live in Mobile, Alabama. And it's something that we're doing to publicize the city more and more and to make people aware throughout the country what's available right here in Mobile, Alabama. Uh, not only do we have some great resources and everything, we have the USS Alabama battleship. The battleship was um, was going to be mothballed and, and, you know, salvaged many years ago up in, in Washington State. Well, the school kids got together a big campaign, Save Your Change to Save the USS Alabama. It worked. They raised over a million dollars. Now, this was 60 years, 75 years ago. Wow. Made over a million dollars in one month, and that provided the money needed to tow the battleship right into Mobile Bay, which is the longest distance, had to go through the Panama Canal, the largest, the longest distance that a ship has ever been towed. Now, we're going to be doing a special project there the week of June 5th through the 8th. If you want to find out more about it, and if you're in the area and actually want to be part of our Today's Homeowner Army that we're putting together out here, we're expecting over 150 volunteers, you can go right now to todayshomeowner.com slash battleship to find out all about it. We'll be telling you more 
more about it as we get closer. It's going to be a spectacular show. Can't wait to get started on that. Hey, that's going to wrap up the Today's Homeowner Radio Show for this week. And um, I'm Danny Lipford along with my co-host, Joe Truini, our great um, engineer, Corey Wilson, and our producer, Jacob Scarborough, and the whole Today's Homeowner family. Hope you have a fantastic weekend, and we look forward to seeing you again next week here on Today's Homeowner Radio.